Okay, hi, hi. Um, so yes, I'm Keith Stewart, and I am the video games editor for The Guardian, uh, which means I am 45 years old, and I play video games for a living. So uh, I'm, very, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, so I've been writing about video games for about 20 years, uh, and uh, last year, uh, yeah, I wrote a novel. Um, but I didn't just write a novel. I wrote a novel by mistake. Um, and this kind of sounds facetious, but it's, it's kind of sort of true. And uh, as I'm a journalist, sort of true is, is, is roughly good enough. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about the, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the book. Uh, essentially, it's a, a father, a 30-something father called um, Alex, who um, uh, has an autistic son who's an eight-year-old called Sam. And it's caused that uh, if, if there's any parents of autistic children uh, in the audience this evening, you'll know sometimes it can be a little bit stressful. Um, so there's been stresses, there's been difficulties in his family, and uh, they've got to a point where um, he's had to leave that... Oh, I've not done that. Whoops. Goodness. Uh, I've got extra free time. So uh, he's had to leave the, the family home, essentially. His wife, Jodie, can't cope with him and her son. He's not being helpful enough. He's had to leave. And he's got to think of a way now of reconnecting with his family, but specifically his son. And the way he connects with his son while he's living away from the home is that they both play Minecraft together online. Um, and what I want to do really is tell you kind of a bit about why this came about and why I came to the, the, the view that Minecraft could be a, a helpful thing in a family relationship. Um, I grew up in the 1980s and um, it was a kind of like a time of excitement around technology and video games. It wasn't really, it was later when people started to think of video games as being something that was only for teenage boys to play in their bedrooms. In the early 80s, it was seen as this fantastical, exciting new thing. In fact, I'm going to show you some adverts here from the early 80s about video games and computers, like the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64, uh, things like that. It was a great, very exciting time for the whole family. So here's some, here's some adverts from that era. <laughs> Look at these people. Uh, Try to ignore their hair and everything, but these, these are excited pet people. Look at that. I just want to show you the mum in the corner. Look at this. <laughs> That's what people thought of video games in the early 80s. Uh, so, yeah, it was a time of excitement, and my dad was really, really into technology, really into video games, and he really welcomed these into the house. So I would sit down for hours with my father, and we would type in uh, ZX81 basic programs, which never worked. Uh, but it gave us time together, and it was just a really beautiful kind of relationship to be sat in front of a piece of technology and figure it out together as equals. So I grew up playing video games, and uh, I worked for, while I was at university, I worked for a game developer during my, su my summer holidays. So I got kind of completely immersed in video games, which was a good thing, because I did English and drama at university, and uh, it's not, it turns out that's not the most useful degree uh, <laughs> that you could do, so video games luckily were there for me. Uh, so um, when I left university, I started working for a video game magazine called Edge, and I worked for lots of magazines in the intervening 10 years, including an official PlayStation magazine. But one thing I did as well is I tried to kind of branch out. I really wanted to, I, I, was, I felt like a real evangelist for video games and what they could do and, and why they were such an important part of culture. So I started writing for Freeze magazine, which is a wonderful kind of highbrow art magazine about video games, and somehow they let me do that. And uh, that was kind of a wonderful experience. And in 2004, I started writing for The, video, uh, for the Guardian about games. And originally it was very part-time, but I kind of jammed my foot in the door and, uh, and slowly they gave me more and more power <laughs> um, to, to write and well about video games. So uh, in the, actually a year after I started on uh, video, the Guardian Games blog, uh, my wife and I had our first son. It was in 2005 and his name was Zach. And two years later we had a son called Albie. 
And somehow, I've got no idea how this happened, uh, but somehow they got into technology as well. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, <laughs> so I just, I just point out, th these aren't three brand new Macs, by the way. These are my hand-me-downs. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so there we were playing, uh, playing together. So uh, I think maybe about two or three years before this photo was taken, we started noticing uh, some things about Zach that maybe he wasn't developing quite as quickly as his peers in certain uh, respects. His vocabulary was quite limited. Uh, he found school really, really terrifying. Um, he had real difficulty with transitions. So getting him ready for school, getting him ready for bed, getting him ready for, to have lunch... Um, it would usually lead to tantrums and uh, fights and crying. Uh, there, was, there was so much crying, uh, not just him, <laughs> us as well. Um, but it was, it was really, really difficult. Um, at the time, I think it was about four, I think it was my, my wife started to say, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe this is autism. And I think I was in denial at the time because I'm pretty sure I can remember a conversation where I went, no, I think it's an ear infection. Uh, <laughs> Because I had it in my head that um, maybe, maybe his ears is really blocked up and he can't hear anything. And this is why he's not developing, because he's not picking up on our speech patterns and things like that. Maybe that's it. Um, but, of course, that was nonsense. We went through four years of assessment and diagnoses. You realise, actually, when you have like a non-neurotypical child, this whole kind of machinery comes into play in the health service and uh, in schools. So suddenly you're having meetings with paediatricians and SENCO, your special educational needs coordinators, and GPs and teachers and speech therapists. And you have this kind of whole machinery that you have to deal with. And it's really confusing and troubling for the parents, and it's really confusing and troubling for the children as well. It's, it, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was a tumultuous experience that you go through, this kind of weird kind of dance. This feeds in, really, to the novel. You know, lots of this stuff happened to me, and uh, I kind of fed this into the novel. It kind of gave me... The novel kind of gave me an outlet to really explore what this was like. Um, so really, I felt like I was almost writing a diary, but I was accidentally writing a novel. Um, so all this time we played games, but Zach was still finding it hard to express himself. And then in 2012, I got an early copy of uh, Minecraft. Um, I don't know how much of you uh, know Minecraft, but it's essentially, it's kind of like a digital version of Lego. It's a building sim. It presents you with this amazing kind of blocky open world, this vast, beautiful landscape. And you can do with it whatever you want. You can mine for stone, for coal, for iron. You can chop down trees for wood. And what you do with all that stuff is you build stuff. You build what you want. You build castles. You build palaces. Uh, in fact, Zach at the moment is building McDonald's. <laughs> so what a, what a marvelous architectural uh, vision he has. <laughs> but the thing is, Zach just got it immediately. He absolutely, it was like a light bulb switching on. He completely understood and immersed himself in this world. And, it, and I think what Minecraft did is what all video games do, but it did it in a, in, a, in a very different way. And basically what video games do is they provide a logical environment, a place where you can test yourself, where all the constraints are constant, where everything makes total sense, where you're, you're not blindsided by things. You understand the rules and regulations of the world that you're in. And I think for lots of children who don't have that much control over their lives, that's like a magical thing. But for children on the autism spectrum, it's incredible. It's so liberating. Because suddenly here you have a world that makes sense and a world that accepts you and accepts your creativity. So Zach found himself able to communicate and, and create things in this world that he couldn't do outside. 
So I'm just going to put up some. So here's some. Uh, we didn't do these, by the way. These are some amazing models that we made in Minecraft, just to show you the, the, some of the things that people are doing in this 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 incredible environment. So one of the things that I loved about Minecraft as well was it's so social. Uh, so um, you can get together with friends and you can build in the same world, either on a server or, or, or on a sofa. And um, when Zach usually played with his friends, he was kind of left out a bit. He was a little bit behind. But in Minecraft, he was as good as everyone else. And it was just amazing to watch. He could sit down with me or he could sit down with his brother or he could sit down with friends and he was as good. He could make weird models just like the rest of us. Uh, and like, I can't even express how uh, kind of emancipating that was for him. So last year, at some point, very early in the year, uh, Marcus Notch Pearson, the creator of Minecraft, left the company and became a billionaire because he sold his company Mojang to Microsoft. And there were a kind of few kind of snide uh, articles about him in the mainstream press. And I was sitting at work at The Guardian one day, and my, my train home to Froome was late, so I decided, uh, I have got 45 minutes. I'm just going to write something about Minecraft and what it means to me and what it's done for my son. Because um, I just want to put a different view of the game out there. So, oh, this is, this is some more Minecraft. Um, so I wrote this story about how Minecraft had changed my son's life, had given him a voice, had given him a, a, a mode of expression. And I kind of didn't really think about it. I just put it online and went home. And the next morning, when I woke up, I realized that tens, uh, almost 100,000 people had read it. But not only that, there were also comments underneath it, hundreds of comments, comments from parents, comments from people on the, autistic, on, on the autism spectrum. Um, and my article said something to them, I guess. You know, sometimes once in a while you do that as a journalist, you speak to people. Uh, and you never know what article is going to hit off, but this one did. And one of the people that read the article was a guy called Ed Wood, who was an editorial director at uh, Little Brown, the big publishing company. And he asked me, uh, have you ever considered writing a novel about Minecraft and autism and parenthood? Could you maybe take your, um, your situation with your son who you've managed to communicate with through Minecraft and turn that into a novel. And I hadn't really thought about writing a novel because I've been a journalist for 20 years and it's just never, it's never occurred to me. But I just thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. So I started writing at weekends. I started writing um, uh, on holidays. I wrote a synopsis. I wrote a few chapters. I sent them to Ed and I thought, I'm never going to hear from him again. And... Instead, he got back to me and said, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking. This is the book I was imagining, and I got a book deal. Um, and it was, really, it was really handy because there were lots of things I wanted to say about video games, about what video games are about and why they're not just uh, about uh, Call of Duty and Candy Crush Saga. Video games are a massive, expansive uh, form of communication and culture, uh, just like cinema, just like books. Uh, video games are, uh, encourage and reward creativity, um, and video games, what I found was that they are permissive spaces. I call them permissive spaces because they, they provide a distraction. They provide a place where you can talk. Like when me and Zach sit down to play Minecraft, it kind of frees us up to talk about other things. And this is what I find with my friends who are my age as well. When we sit down and play something like Overwatch or Destiny together, it's a stupid, they're stupid shoot-em-ups, but it freezes up to talk about other things. Um, also, Minecraft is, on this, is in this new era of video games, which are much more about expression as well. Like, not all video games are about shooting. These days, lots of young, uh, like, 18, 20-year-olds are getting into game development in the way that they might have been into punk music in the 70s. And instead of picking up a guitar and playing and making a song, some people are picking up a, 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 a computer and writing games about their lives. So here's two games that are really interesting, Life is Strange and Sibel, at the bottom here. 
um, which really kind of present to me uh, a new wave of video games which are about self-expression. Uh, and again, this is really interesting to me, and I, and I explored that through writing my book. I thought about games as something creative and positive and poured all this into my novel, uh, even though I didn't realize in, in some ways that I was writing a novel. It felt like I was just telling stories about things that I'd seen and things that I loved. Um, so, yeah, this isn't really, though, a book about video games. It's a book about family. It's a book about difference. It's a book about acceptance and communication. Um, it's about doing what you can to understand and connect with the people you love. Um, and I was able to put all this into the book. And really, in a lot of ways, it's about autism and how uh, like, we really misunderstand it, I think, sometimes. You think of it as a problem, especially when you're in the whirlwind, when you're in the maelstrom of, uh, of a tantrum. You think of this thing as a problem, as a condition, but it's not. Autism is just a completely different way of looking at the world. Um, in fact, yesterday, the brilliant Guardian writer John Harris wrote a review of my book. And he said something in his review, uh, which I'm going to read out to you. Autism need not be something discreet and fenced off. It's a condition that shines light on the most fundamental parts of being human. Which I think is a lovely quote, and I'm pissed off that I didn't write it in my book. <laughs> so uh, by the time the paperback comes out, I might nick it. Um, anyway, one of the, the thing I really wanted to say in this book is that play, I think, um, one thing I discovered through playing with Zach is that play is intrinsic to learning. I think it's intrinsic to relationships as well. All mammals learn through play, and I think, you know, as human beings, uh, we should always play. I think we never stop learning, and play is a great way to learn. Uh, there's a great quote from the uh, 17th century writer Richard Lingard, which is often misattributed to Plato, and it's, uh, you can learn more about somebody in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. I, I think that's, that's an exaggeration, but I think it's sort of true. And as a journalist, sort of true is, is enough. <laughs> so yeah, playtime is never wasted time. I learned so much about my son, both of my sons, through play. Uh, and I think the great thing about that was that we, we met as equals. And what I wanted my book to say was that um, you've got to work in the spaces that your children provide to you to learn about them. You work in the spaces that whenever you're with someone that you love, you've got to connect with them in the way that, that, that makes sense to them. So um, I'm going to end my talk, actually, with, a, with an assignment, uh, with some homework. Um, what I'd like you all to do at some point this week is to go home, go, go online or go to a, uh, to a shop and buy a game. It doesn't have to be a video game. It can be a card game. It can be a board game. I want you to take it home. I want, to gather, I want you to gather around some friends, some loved ones, all switch off your phones, put the lights down low, play some good music, maybe Warren G, uh, <laughs> and play the game together. It was through being open to play that I connected with my son. And it was, it was through being open to play that I somehow managed to write a novel by mistake. Uh, and it was one of the most fun mistakes I ever made. Thank you. Thank you.